Last night we started out by looking together at those two texts from Isaiah 6 and 2 Kings 4. Um, if you've got a Bible, uh, got a Bible on your phone, um, maybe you can op- open it up to Matthew chapter 11. We're going to spend a little bit of time there um, over the next couple of minutes. And I suppose to it's never and never easy to do, but to summarize where we got to last night as we looked at those two Old Testament texts, uh, I suppose we were reminding ourselves of who God is, what God is like, and the kinds of things that God does. And what I want to do tonight as we close, just for the next couple of minutes, is to follow on from that, and I suppose just to remind us of the life that Jesus invites us to live. There's no rocket science to this. I guarantee you've heard this sermon in one way or another countless times. And I I really went over back and forth, is it should there be something um, more profound? But I think it is this this the simplicity of living out of rest. Um, following Jesus with other people in the power of the Spirit. It's, it really is as simple as that. It's free, but it costs everything. I'm gonna read from the message translation, so maybe um, it'll be different for the most part right the way through, but just track along with, with, with it in what you've got uh, in front of you. Abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer. That's a good start. This is a little bit like you tonight, mate. It was awesome. Thank you so much. The the way we just broke into prayer and to praise. Um, Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from sophisticates and know-it-alls but spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. Jesus resumed talking to the people. I love this, but now tenderly. No one knows the Son the way the Father does, nor the Father the way the Son does but I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Are you? You willing to listen? Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the enforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. That's good news. Keep company with me, 
and you'll learn to live lightly, freely and lightly. So there's a, a popular thought out there amongst pastors and preachers that you really only have one sermon in you. Maybe you've heard that. Or maybe you think, based on your experience of church, you'd say, yeah, your pastor only has one sermon. But this kind of, I suppose, uniquely shaped desire that God, something that God has done in you, set within you, gifted you with, something that is very much central to the way he's wired you, what he's given you to bring to the life of the church, whether that's the church on your street where you belong or to the wider church. And language plays, I think, such a big part in that, doesn't it? How we kind of connect with certain messages or not. And preachers will often talk about having foundational texts. That's why I'm in ministry. Or that moment where I came back to faith. That was the, the text that was read uh, from the front. Well, the, the text that I just read for us from Matthew 11 is one of those texts for me. It's like right at the top with Isaiah 61. They're all jostling for position. <laughs> I first stumbled at, uh, across it at probably one of the lowest points of my life. Uh, we just handed our notice in, pretty much in the middle of a breakdown, uh, moved to another country, had to say goodbye to our family, our friends, and uh, we had to move to London. It's a great place when you're hiding and in need of healing. Thank God for that place and for those people. It was, I'm going to be really honest a minute, uh, for a second, one of my guilty pleasures is long-lost families. Has anyone, do you ever watch that show? Do you know what I mean? You know, they kind of track through different people who've been separated from people, uh, a sibling or a parent. And there's always that moment towards the end of the episode where people who've been almost like on hold are waiting for this other their whole life. And they see each other in the flesh and they hold each other and they just sob. You hear all these sounds coming out of people as they connect with a sibling that they, they didn't know they had, but then they find them and they just hold on to each other, almost desperately. <clears throat> when I first read these words, I felt like a part of me had come home. I felt like I'd, I'd found something I'd been missing, a, a perspective that I lacked. I didn't have to prove anything. And then our tiny two-bedroom council house in West London became a God's operating theater as I literally wet the pages of my Bible, open in front of my brand new message Bible. I ruined it. Um, maybe, you know, you had a similar experience. A, a, a grace moment where God just got you. And in that moment for me that day, I became just so acutely aware of how hollow some of my actions, my practices, my attitudes over the years had been. And I was, I suppose I was just filled with a deep sense of remorse. I'd been so worried uh, about the survival and the safety of my family in and through a very painful and difficult time. And instead of running to the source, I decided he needed help. 
and I just got busy. Instead of running to the source, I just got busy. I just threw myself, I lost myself to the detriment of my family. I threw myself into ministry. Missing the point. I'd lost intimacy and I settled for duty instead. And then as soon as I stumbled across these words from, uh, of Jesus from Matthew 11, I knew in that instant something had to change. It was like, uh, you know those, uh, if you grow growing up, I'm going I'm to let everyone know how old I am. When, you, when you're kids and you go to the fun fair and you go in with your, your 10p or 20p and, and you put it in, you know it, the coin goes down the back of the thing and then it goes on to one of those ledges that pushes out and if you're lucky it pushes some more money out. Do you know? Do you know? What are they called? Penny pushers. Oh, makes sense. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> it, it was just like that kind of ledge disappearing behind me. I knew God by his grace was just saying, I, I'm here waiting for you. If you're open to change, change the way that you see. Uh, see, the way you, you see the way you see the world, the way you see your place in it, uh, the way you see yourself as my son. Uh, one of the great fathers of the church, Augustine of Hippo, uh, outlines a very similar kind of um, breakthrough moment in his own life where he says this, you were there before my eyes but I had deserted even my own self. You were there with me, but I was not with you. The beautiful things of this world kept me far from you. You called, you cried, you burst through my, my deafness. You scattered my blindness. I breathed your fragrance and now I pine for you. I tasted you and I hunger and thirst for you. You touched me and I burn with desire for your peace. That man has a way with words. Something worth singing. But, you know, it, 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 from that moment on, Augustine realized that God was not outside or apart from him, waiting to be impressed to be convinced that he was worthy of relationship, but had always and would always love and pursue him. I had, in, in my West London experience, I, I had really almost lost total grip on the greatest treasure of all, the, the, the love of God and his vision of life as a beautiful partnership with him. Other translations of Matthew 11, if we were to drill into some of the language of them, they, they use the, I'm sure you're familiar with this, they use the language of oxen being joined together by a yoke, a big lump of wood that sits across their shoulder, combining their efforts to make this very same point. In all the years of being told that there was a call on my life, 
And I'd really resonated with that and felt, yes. And, you know, we would host meetings as, you know, we'd have visiting speakers and they would all come in and identify God's call in my life, even if they didn't know. And they'd encourage me and prophesy over me. And they told me that God wanted to use me. But slowly but surely over the years, that had actually become, that thought had become quite distorted for me. Because I think the language, the longer I reflect on this, of being used, isn't actually all that helpful. Now, that's just where I'm coming from, guys, okay? Take that home and pray it through. Talk to your pastor about it, maybe, your worship leader. I don't think God uses us. He's not in this to see what he can get out of you. You have nothing to prove. I, I believe, looking at the scriptures, that what we see in we were so led so skillfully uh, through uh, the book of Genesis this morning. One of the things we see from that place on is that God respects the dignity of every person and promises to work with us. One of the, the great joys of this last couple of days is writing a song with Mark and Harmony. This, this sense of God, he's not a bully. He doesn't push in the door. He waits for us to open it to him and he brings us to the place where mercy rushes in. God's deepest desire, and if there's just one thing that you take away from what I... Times. <laughs> Get out, devil. God's deepest desire is to draw each of us into a partnership with him. If you're up for it, that's what he wants. He wants us to join in in all that he's doing as he makes all things new. He doesn't have to. He chooses to because he loves us. We're worth it. Come to me, Jesus says. Remember intimacy. The Father's heart is open wide and you are welcome in. Come home to where you belong. Come home to that for which you were created. We thought about that this morning. This isn't just some random home truth that the church needs to kind of be reminded of from time to time. It's a way of life. Come home to intimacy is the beating heart of the gospel. Come home. Come home to where you belong. Come home to that for which you were created. Walk with me. Work with me. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. In those moments, all those years ago in our kitchen in West London, I found my sermon. That's it. That's the, that's the gift I want to bring to the church. That's what I want to tell people about. This is what it really means to live. This is what it really means to be fully human, truly.
truly human, alive to God in the world. Of course, there's all kinds of other competing visions for what human freedom looks like. I've never been more aware of that um, before. For many in our culture, for them, freedom looks like emancipation from God. Freedom. Forget, forget about it. Not the wholehearted embracing of God that Jesus reminds us of here in Matthew 11. But that's what we're being invited to do, to embrace an adventure of infinite discovery, life together in the power of the Spirit, in and through the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's good news, not just for us, but for the world that needs it, for our country that is hurting and broken for the Ukraine tonight. Pray for every vineyard in the Ukraine, for everyone involved in the vineyard in Kiev. Andy was telling me earlier, all the people that have lost family members that have been killed. Bless them tonight, Lord. The Apostle Paul, he speaks about this very same impulse when he's writing his letter to the church in Philippi. Let me read some of the words for us. For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving, recognizing, and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may, in that same way, come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, and that I may so share his sufferings as to be continuously, continually transformed in spirit, into his likeness, even unto death. Just take a moment, just glance over those key phrases. See what's standing out to you. Just turn them over in your mind. That I may know him. Progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him perceiving, recognizing, and understandings, understanding the wonders of his person, being transformed. <laughs> Paul's determined purpose was to embrace God in the same way that Jesus had envisioned it. What about you? What about us? Are you up for this adventure of infinite discovery? Are you up for the adventure of the kingdom of God? How can we answer God's call to cultivate intimacy with him? How can we draw near to him or abide in him? What might it look like for you to keep company with Jesus over the coming weeks and months? How do we learn the unforced rhythms of grace?
as we close, I want to just remind you of one more thing. God's invitation to keep company with him. What, what does that look like for you? What does it look like for you to keep company with Jesus? How are you doing that? Where are you doing that? When are you doing that? And I want to remind you that it's in and from that place of intimacy that we find rest for our souls. Which in turn, I believe, enables us to live resilient lives of faith in the world around us. Have we forgotten intimacy? When we think of ministry, are we busy? Are we too busy? What would it mean for us to adopt Jesus' vision of life as a beautiful partnership with him? What would worship ministry in this movement look like on this nation if we adopted Jesus' vision of living it all out with him in beautiful partnership? Those are challenging ideas, I think, and challenging questions. But that's okay. He loves us. He's patiently faithful. He finishes what he starts. He doesn't ask us to do something and say, I'll see you at the end with my big cosmic scorecard. He says, I'm going to do this with you. So let's go.